It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can keep more of what you make. You may not know this, but we offer free off-the-air advice over 40 hours each week. There's a question, a problem, you're worried somebody's going to rip you off. We're there to serve you, and you can speak with a member of Team Clark for absolutely nothing. A free service of our show, now in its 26th year of offering free off-the-air advice. If you go to Clark.com, scroll down a little, you'll see the phone number and hours for free off-the-air advice. Coming up a little later, this is just, it's almost like a spoof. Today's Clark Rage about hiring somebody to tell somebody something you don't have the guts to tell them. Seriously. And yet later, there's a new rule involving 401ks. I want to tell you how it works, when it makes sense, and when it doesn't. So there was an announcement that Amazon, the fast-growing online behemoth, is entering into a joint venture with Sears that is having the slowest going out of business sale ever. Sears is toast. It's only a matter of when, not if, Sears ceases to exist, which is crazy because for, I think, a 60-year period, Sears was the world's largest retailer, and now it's a tiny shadow of itself. And so Amazon has discovered a new area they think they can really take market share, and it's tires. But the problem is your computer isn't going to install tires. So Amazon has taken a page from the ultra-successful tire rack and is entering this joint venture with Sears where you can go on Amazon.com, order tires, and then have those tires delivered to a Sears automotive center near you, a participating one, and then the tires are installed there for you. And so this is not an original idea. As I mentioned, Tire Rack has built a tremendous business doing this kind of thing already, where you order from Tire Rack, and then you go online, and you see where you'd like to have them installed. There are a zillion reviews for various independent tire places that will install tires for Tire Rack customers. You pick one, you have the tires go right there, Each independent dealer charges whatever they're going to charge for mounting, balancing, whatever. And so this is a business that you will only benefit from Amazon getting into because Tire Rack has to respond. I'm looking at their website right now. They're doing free shipping now on all orders over 50 bucks, So you don't have to worry about paying to get the tires to whatever tire center you choose to have install them and costco and sam's have become such huge players in the sale of tires that it is obviously an extremely competitive product area even for non-traditionals who are taking more and more share which has caused a shakeout with traditional tire stores and so now there are 
regional chains around the country that are high volume, that are one-stop shops, that are doing very well in this competitive landscape. One-store tire places, not so much. But the market for tires is now so hyper-competitive. And with a local chain, you can go online on their website, see what they're selling tires for for your vehicle. You can see what Tire Rack has them for. You can see what Amazon, what Costco, what Sam's has. And so the good news is that the market has never been more competitive and there are significant meaningful differences in the cost of tires one place to another. No one is always the cheapest. It can depend on inventory and other individual factors. Who's going to have the best deal for the tires you want? The advantage, though, of a local tire center is that they're accountable. You have that place you buy the tires from, They're the ones that install it. Anytime you add in multiple parties, you can always end up with the finger pointing. Brian's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Brian. Hey, Clark. How are you today? Great. Thank you, Brian. You're moving to California. That's right. Job uh, takes you some crazy directions, and this seems to be the new one. And are you excited about moving to California or not so much? Oh, very excited. Where are you going to be and where are you moving from? I'm moving from Ohio and uh, we'll be pretty much on uh, the L.A. coast. Okay. Well, I hope that it turns out to be a great life experience for you. How can I serve you with this move? Well, uh, we hit a timing issue where in order to transfer and to do this, uh, it would need to be in the next 40 days or so. However, our lease does not expire for another six months. No. Right. Now, I know it's not in the landlord's best interest to, to do anything for us. However, it's an individual landlord, not a company. And we've been here for five, almost six years. So I was hoping to get some advice on how to frame this so that the landlord might be willing to cut us a break or work out something. So do you know, are you on a month-to-month lease at this point, or do you sign a new lease every 12 months? We signed a new lease because we planned to be here and then uh, got notice of a lot of things offshoring. So You You had to get the new job. All right, so you are under, you're not under your original lease from five years ago. You You have signed a new lease every individual year. Correct. And they have offered us in the past the chance to go month to month. So one of my thoughts was asking them if we could switch up and go month to month and then give 30 days notice. No, don't do that. Don't do that. No. I mean, I I think you just, this is an individual who's known you. You've been a tenant they've been happy to have. You've been uh, good, I hope, about paying your rent on time every month. Without a doubt. We're religious about that. And so I would go to the landlord and say, here's the deal. I lost my job. I have this new job in California. I've got to move there in the next uh, six to seven weeks. And I wanted to know if uh, we could work something out on early terminating the lease. And usually the way 
you get a landlord to be more amenable is you offer the landlord, start with offering the landlord, can I pay you a one-month penalty? So you put that on the table. Okay. And where you hope to settle usually is with a two-month penalty. Perfect. So it gives them some room to, to counter and by that knowing what you're in for. Exactly. Because under most state landlord-tenant laws, and I am not qualified to speak to Ohio's, which is why I asked you where you were moving from, normally you're responsible for the entire remaining term of a lease, unless the lease says something else. And so that's why you want to go just level with the landlord, offer your offering as much notice as you possibly can right now, and say you'd like to pay the additional month. And, you know, they may... They may say, oh, okay, I appreciate you've been a great tenant. Or they may say, wait a minute, what about me and all that? And so uh, you hope to be able to make that deal. They hold the cards, but you also have history. Clark, I knew you would have the exact words to give me, and I truly appreciate you taking time today. And I hope you have a great time in Southern California. You know, when you are in the midst of your first winter in Southern California, make sure you take pictures with your phone of the current temperature in L.A. and when uh, where you're from in Ohio is having one of those really bad cold waves. Make sure you send that to all your family and friends back in Ohio. I will do that, and I'll tell them that Clark Howard told me to. Wonderful. Thanks for that. <laughs> David's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, David. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, David. You have done something amazing that you wanted to share with your fellow listeners, and I want you to lay it out, what you've done. Well, my wife and I built our vacation home and put our our home in another state on the market, and the, the sales of homes at that time were not very good. So it, in fact, took us seven years and three sets of tenants before we got the the home sold. Now, when we sold the home, we were able to shed um, a a mortgage, obviously. We were able to shed a HELOC, which we'd been using to to upgrade and make repairs. And we were able to shed a bunch of credit card debt that we used this year, getting it ready for sale. And uh, that that was two almost two months ago, and I've been waiting to see what that shedding five hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of debt would do to our credit. And as I mentioned uh, earlier, it went from seven twenty something to eight twenty something for both my wife and I. That's a, that's a pretty meaningful jump, and that's because one of the things you're judged by on your credit, and it's about a third of what makes up your credit score, is what are your total obligations of debt. And so you were paying everything on time as agreed, so you still had a plus 700 credit score, but once you extinguish so much debt, like in a blink of an eye, you've gone from having a decent score to an outstanding, what's known as a gold standard score. But you yeah, know, you know what remarkable. about your... Sto- when, 
you know, let me say something to you. You know, what's so interesting to me and what I'm so appreciative about hearing your story is you got hit with really tough times. You had built this new place. It was going to be where you were moving. And then you couldn't sell the legacy home and you just toughed it out. You had the tenants, you waited till real estate recovered, and now you've lifted that burden. And so good for you. Yeah, I, I was interested in the fact that as I was online, I looked at several sites that dealt with credit. And on one of them, it said that, in fact, uh, a score in the 820s was, figuratively speaking, no better for you than a score in the 720s. No, that's not and true. That, that is not true. Okay. That is incorrect information. So with a score above 800, again, called in the credit industry as a gold standard score, it puts you in a position where when you shop for auto insurance or homeowner's insurance, you get a booster in uh, how your overall profile looks and what you're going to be charged for premiums is one example. If you do want to apply for a particular credit card that's not easy to get with a score of 820, you will get that where you might not have in the low 700s. I mean, there's, there's a lot of advantage to you having a score of that level because it means now that you don't need to borrow money, if you did, in fact, you were going to find that the offers you will receive and the interest rates you will be able to get will be superior. Now, I will say, once your score gets above 760, 770, uh, you probably are in a category where everything's going to be just peachy and you'll get the best of everything, but not where you were at 720, which is still a good score, but it's not the best. So be happy you got rid of that house, be happy you got rid of $550,000 in debt, and be proud of yourself that you've got such a phenomenal score. Today's Clark Rageous moment is a spoof to me. This is so hard to believe. People who don't have, well, the intestinal fortitude to tell the boss, I quit. Hire someone to tell the boss, hey, so-and-so quit and isn't ever coming back into your place again. How could that be a good idea? Scams, rip-offs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. There's a story out of Japan. Thank goodness they are not here. Where people are paying 400 dollars equivalent from yen to dollars to have a service tell the boss, I quit for you. And, I mean, really, think about it. Think about, forget how crazy that is. And I want you to think about this. Life is long, and you never know where you cross paths. You should always end well. And I know so many situations over the years where somebody has quit a job and didn't do it with grace. 
whenever you are going to change a job, and you know, right now the economy offers you a lot of opportunity to change jobs, the most we've had in a decade, when you do that, please be thankful and respectful. Don't settle scores with anybody where you've been working, even if they deserve it. Stay, stay kind, stay positive, and even express, you know, I, I wish I could stay here, but this other opportunity is so great, I just have to go. And say nothing but nice things about the people you're leaving behind. Because you never know where you're going to cross paths with any of them again. It's my pleasure to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas to me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. There's a new ruling from the IRS uh, guidance to employers on 401ks. And it's a situation where the IRS is trying to be kind to people with an expansion of the rules for 401ks, but I think it's actually taking people the wrong direction. Let me give you background. So we have a problem in the country where we've got this $1.5 trillion in student loan debt. A lot of people working for employers that offer 401ks aren't participating in the 401ks because they're focused on trying to extinguish the student loan debt. So many employers offer a match on a 401k, so the employee's having a double loss. He or she is not putting money aside for retirement, and they're missing the free money, which is like getting a free raise from your employer with the match. So under the new rules, an employer can consider the payments you're making to your student loan payments, and it's up to an employer whether they want to do this, but they can consider the payments made on your student loans as if they were contributions made to the 401k to trigger eligibility for the company match. So the idea is that let's say your company matches dollar for dollar up to a certain point, and so you would have 3% of your pay going in the 401k, potentially, or 6% or whatever, because you'd be getting the employer match even though you are a phantom and contributing to your own 401k. So the thinking is at least you got some money going towards retirement while you single-mindedly focus on the student loans. Now, I actually think this is a step back, not forward. When an employer offers a match on a 401k, even if you're facing a mountain of student loan debts, I want you contributing to that 401k to trigger the full match from an employer. You know, I offer a match to my employees with Team Clark, dollar for dollar, and I have mandatory enrollment in the 401k. And so somebody has to go out of their way to get out of it because I'm so fierce about getting people from the get-go to save money for their futures. And so uh, we've had no one to this point opt out participating 
in the 401k because they know, number one, I'd kill them. No, no, no one has done that because they put in 6%. I match with 6%. So they're suddenly saving the equivalent of 12% of their pay. And that's very important to me that you participate if your employer offers a 401k. Then you absolutely participate if they're offering a match. I know the student loans are like somebody has a death grip on so many people's lives. But I don't want you to divert from doing something basic, which is being in the habit of putting at least enough in an employer 401k to grab that match money. This, to me, is giving you a hall pass that takes you the wrong way. And I think that you contribute to that 401k and, as best to your ability and best as you can, pay on the student loans. Rick is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Rick. How are you today? I'm having a great day, Rick. Hope yours Good. is. Yeah, yeah. I've, my wife and I are doing a, um, a European um, uh, boat cruise down uh, from Amsterdam down to Hungary. And I got my, my, I got to uh, tell you, my mother-in-law and father-in-law did that trip, uh-huh. and they loved it. Well, they didn't like good, it. They loved that trip. I've heard good things, except I've heard the water level's kind of low over there right now. But you Well, know, so you can just crossed. walk along the route. There you go. There you go. Ride my bicycle or something. Right. You know? <laughs> hey, um, on my list of uh, things to do, you know, besides health care, credit card, travel insurance, the STEP program with the government, you know, is cell phones. You know, and I'm just kind of wondering, you know, I, I, I got AT&T and I was looking at my plan, you know, and it says I've got international messaging. Um, is that good enough? Depends on how much you want to stay in contact with family and friends. You're going to have no data then. If, if, uh, it, if you would consider it, and I hate to ask you this question, Rick, how old are you? Oh, I'm, I'll be 65 in December. All right, I want you to know about a T-Mobile plan. Okay. It's for people who are 55 and older. Mm -hmm. If you'll switch from AT&T to T-Mobile, you'll have unlimited talk, text, and data for a grand total, including junk fees, of $70 a month for both lines, $35 each. Okay. I don't know what you pay AT&T right now. Well, it's $30 a month. Per line? um, just for one line and uh see we're, we're, we live rurally and we were with track we were with another track uh, phone provider yes yeah we were we were with another provider but they don't have great coverage where we're living so it's like well i went to at&t my wife is still with the other folks um because her phone actually works better in the southern parts of the country than my at&t line does you know so it's like yeah, and we're leaning toward get rid of getting rid of our landline, but maybe the T-Mobile thing is the thing to do. If I, they I have, if if T-Mobile has coverage that's sufficient where you live and where your wife travels in the southern part of the country, mm-hmm. the unlimited fifty-five with the two lines total for seventy a month. What's so great about that is you get unlimited free texting and data when you travel outside the United States. Okay. in almost every okay. country in the world. 
So it means okay. as you'd go down the Danube or whatever the route is you're going, <laughs> yeah. that you would have the ability to stay in touch with people with the not only the unlimited text but the unlimited data. Part of the part of my adventure though is not to be in touch. <laughs> well, if you don't want to be in touch, yeah, you could stay with the plans you're with. Sure. With uh, your wife on track phone and you on AT and T, you could live with just your texting. And anywhere you have Wi Fi, and in the uh-huh. towns you stop, free Wi Fi is available like all over you. Your, okay. You know, any okay. Any cafe, coffee shop, hotel lobby, and there's going to be free Wi Fi, and you could at that point. Uh, communicate with people back in the U.S., uh, go check your email, things like that. Right, right. So if okay. you, you want to somewhat disconnect, <laughs> but know you still have the texting, you could just stick with what you've got. Sure, okay. But if well, your wife you. is like, I, what are you talking about? we got to stay in touch with family. Well, I'm not so sure, you know. I mean, part of the, part of the, we were just up in the Boundary Waters, and there was no cell phone service, and I kind of liked it, you know. <laughs> All right, do you know I used to go canoeing in the Boundary Waters? You ever yeah, heard me talk no, about I that? Did. Uh-uh. Yeah, I used to go canoeing up there, you know, where... You know, carry a canoe on my shoulders, backpack. You bet. That's, I'm, I, you know, we just did a trip like that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just happy I can still do it, you know. Well, I I will not do that anymore because I am <laughs> not sleeping outside anymore. That's sleeping over. On the, sleeping on the ground was uh, eye-opening at this age, you know. But uh, Well, for uh, me, that age ended a long time ago that I'm going to sleep on the ground. If you're not familiar with the Boundary Waters, it's one of the most magnificent places in the United States. It actually crosses into southern Ontario, I guess southwestern Ontario, and there are these magnificent uh, chains of lakes that you portage from lake to lake. That means you just carry the canoe on your shoulders. And most of these lakes, no motorized craft at all. You have no communication with the outside world. The only way you would be able to communicate is satellite phone. If you want to really get away from it all and see magnificent beauty in northern Minnesota and southern Ontario, Canada, Boundary Waters is great. Anne's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Anne. Hi, how are you doing? Great, thank you, Anne. How can I be of service to you? I am researching how to hire a children's literary agent. I wrote and illustrated a book, and I searched online about the process but I want to make sure I am connecting with legitimate agents. And I didn't know if you had any suggestions about how to go about this process. It has changed so much that I I try to think of businesses that have changed, have been changed more by the internet than the book business. And I'm sure there there are several other great examples, but it's one of the ones that has been affected the most mm-hmm. by the changes. And Today, the number of books being published is very high, but the number being published by traditional publishing houses and add in the extra step with the guidance and help of a literary agent, it's almost none compared to what it used to be Hmm. even uh, 10, 12 years ago. Today, if you've written a book and you've illustrated it and it's ready, believe it or not, you are going to find that you are actually your best literary agent. Oh. You don't 
uh, necessarily need a literary agent anymore because today you can get published any of a number of different ways and we have a self-publishing guide on clark.com what you've done with a children's book is a little different in some ways from a lot of the advice i give because a children's book generally a kid needs to have a printed form you can have an electronic version that kid would look at on a tablet and that that is done more and more but kids like holding a physical book in their hands yes i agree with that Um, but the beauty today is instead of you having to pay a lot of money to print a big production run of copies of a book books can now be printed one at a time as someone would order one of your books okay it's it's totally different than it used to be Mm. so i'd love it if you go read my uh self-publishing guide okay because literary agents today tend to spend their efforts and time only with uh celebrities that Mm -hmm. are writing a tell-all book or someone who's writing a biography or somebody who's uh, spilling the beans on something that they have inside information on and you think about whenever you hear about a book now so often it's either a already well-known celebrity author or it's somebody who was already known for something else who's now on book tour okay and so that's okay. where the literary agents efforts as a general rule are going okay and how how much are you into social media I I am very much into social media. Um, I actually do a lot with my own business, Annie Green Design, and then I um, actually work with other businesses and coaching um, to help them with their social media. Okay. You are so qualified to publish your own book because social media is the number one way that an unknown author gets people interested in his or her book and gets it outsold in the marketplace so you have the skills that other people would just die for to be able to get your book out there and into people's hands oh wonderful that's that's good to know (laughs) so best to you and i wish you great success with getting your book into children's hands well, thank you. Thank you so much for your for your help and for um, directing me towards your self-publishing guide. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Dave is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Dave. How you doing? 
Good, Clark. How are you today? Great. You are going to ask a question that I'm thrilled for you to ask because this is one that causes a lot of upset in people. And I actually answer this question a couple of times every year going back as far as I can remember. So go forward with it. Okay. I was just wondering, um, actually a few of my friends and I were wondering how you feel about these big stores that after you legally purchase your items, then you have to wait in another line before exiting and have another person actually check your receipt to make sure that there's nothing else in there that you haven't paid for. (laughs) Right. I didn't know how you felt about that. Okay. So this is something that is done most frequently at Sam's Club, Costco Wholesale, and Walmart. Yes. And was there another retailer you were thinking of that we should mention as well? No, actually, it was. Uh, I was thinking of Costco's, you know, and Walmart. And I love Costco's. Believe me, don't get me wrong. I love it. But it was just something that was on our mind. Okay. So the reason they do it at these stores is you've got a tiny, tiny percent of people that shoplift. Yes. But when you leave any of those three stores, everybody is assumed to be guilty till proven innocent. Right. And so the reason they they do what's basically zero tolerance, where they're checking every single receipt, and you know the method. I don't know if I should talk about. I better not talk about the methods. I don't want to help anybody who's trying to. Trying to shoplift. Anyway, there's a method to how each of them do it. They each have their own uh, protocol about what that person's doing at the door when they're checking. But the idea of it is simply deterrence, not for you and not for 97%. I think there's a 3% chance somebody's shoplifting. There's something like that. But the overwhelming percent of people not only aren't shoplifters they're never even going to think that way right and so you're being inconvenienced and your items are being checked in your cart just because they've got to they've got to put that deterrence in place for that three percent think about airport security okay you know we all have to go through that ridiculous process that is mind-numbing with security at airports because a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of 1% of people wish to do harm to others. Right. And we understand why we do it, because the stakes are so high, even though the risk is so remote. But if we didn't have that, imagine what people would be bringing on airplanes. Right. So, in other words, the scale's completely different, but the reason's the same thing. They have to have some method of dealing with having a deterrence for the people who do want to steal, and if there were not those roadblocks, would steal a lot more. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast of our show, I'd love it if you'd subscribe. Whatever your favorite podcast app is, we're pretty much there. And whether you love what you hear from me or hate it, Take time to write a review. It's how we all learn from each other is from those reviews. 